clear for takeoff. Once again, welcome to Jeff Fuel, the Jeff's Discord podcast. As always, I am your party host, Joe Rivera. Along with me is the president of the Brees Hall Fan Club, none other than my astute, educational, incredibly handsome co-host, Matt Salard, a.k.a. King Sliz. Sliz, say hello, my friend. Hey, Joe. Another one. Another (laughs) W, man. Another one. Another one. Another one. Yeah, man. I mean, like Salah said after the game uh, versus versus the Packers, I'm sorry, the last week's game, make this normal. Make this normal, right? This is this is normal. And when you're we've had discussions about culture slizz and we've had discussions about what wins mean for an organization. Now I'm willing to go. The culture is starting to change. Now that's where I'm willing to go. Because when you string these wins together, it feels different now, right? It feels more normal. Like you don't have the rah-rah speeches after after games. It's just, hey guys, good job, good game. You know, let's keep it rolling. And that's it. And that's all you got to say. Yeah, big time, man. And like over the Packers and Aaron Rodgers it, at Lambeau Field, like I know there there's caveats to everything. You know, Rodgers was a little banged up with his hand and everything, but it's like they they were healthy for the most part, right? I think Bakhtiari played almost the entire game. Jair Alexander, this was the most healthy he, he's been all season, and, and he was playing like it, right? He was a stud, right. but it's like – Dude, we 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 took it to him, man. We took it to him on both sides, all three phases, all three phases. We took it to him. Absolutely. So let's start there, Sliz, as we always do with the runway rundown. And this is a bit of a celebratory episode because we are four and two. The Jets are four and two in the Jet Fuel era. So I'd like to take that as a as a good omen, as we are good luck for the franchise. We are over five hundred. It already already, ma- already matched last year's win total. There right? you go. Six there you go. That's in. all that matters. Yeah. So. Good. So, so listen, it's it's interesting, right? Because every pretty much every game this season has felt like a measuring stick game in some way, right? So, you know, the first week, week one, I say it all the time, weird things happen in week one all the time, whatever. Week two, the Cleveland game, all right, whatever. Uh, you have the Bengals game, whatever. Then you start rattling off some wins, right? And you're starting to feel good about yourself. And and now it's like you go into Lambeau, a place where regardless of who Aaron Rodgers is playing with, you still have to beat Aaron Rodgers in Lambeau Field, right? Which is something that a lot of teams don't really do, <laughs> right? And and we we all acknowledge, we've acknowledged it. It's not like the Jets have played perfect. It's not like every win has been against tier one quality opponents, right? Where every team that they played have been flawed, but in some way, shape, or form. But the good thing is. And this is the way I look at it, Sliz. I don't know if you'll agree here, but this is a team that's taking advantage of that. They're taking advantage of those flaws. In years past, we've seen Jets teams go against backup quarterbacks, like where they they might be fa- facing Brett Rippon this weekend, right? And what happened in 2020? Brett Rippon beat them. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to this upcoming weekend. We'll get to that. But like I said, Sliz, it feels like this team is taking advantage of the schedule that's in front of them, and that's a good thing to see. Yeah, definitely. And and I threw a whole bunch of stats here on our, our little cheat sheet, right? And Sonani has shared this one. The Jets have not trailed in either of their past two games, which is huge, right? So th- that being um, the Packers game this past weekend and then the game prior to that. And so it's the first time the Jets have gone back-to-back games without trailing since weeks five, four and five of 2010. 
Mm. Right. Over a decade. And then uh, Rich Samini had a stat. The Jets have outscored. The Jets outscored the Packers 10 nothing in the fourth quarter and are now plus 48 in the fourth quarter. That is the second best fourth quarter point differential by any team through six games in the last decade behind only the 2016 Broncos. Peyton Manning, right? Mm-hmm. So, and then through some other stats. So, this is our last, our, or this is our first three game win streak, which it was actually more recent than I thought since 2019 was that with Sam and Gase. And that's when we went on that second, second half tear. Mm-hmm. Um, made made Sam and Gase kind of both look like frauds or, or hyped them up maybe more than we should have, right? When we beat the Giants, um, Washington and Oakland, right? Oakland. Um, <laughs> I, I, can, I can pretend like it was a while ago because it was uh, the Washington f- under their former team name and then the Oakland Raiders. So lots right. lots has changed since lots then. Lots changed since then, right. And then lots uh, it's, our, then. it's our best start. The, the four and two starts are best start since 2015 with Fitzpatrick. So it's like, like we're, we're clearing milestones, man. And, yeah. and six games in, and I know, I know only half of those are, are, are under Zach at quarterback, but six games is where you can start to see trends with the roster with, you know, we've made adjustments. Guys have worked through kinks. Um, coaches have made schematic changes. They've made personnel changes and like, at at this point it's like okay this is what you are starting to be as a team for the season when you get that six game sample and and clearly there's still stuff to work out on the offensive side still stuff for zach to work through with the wide receivers but this it gives you a good feeling when we're building week upon week upon week upon week and getting better and better and and really sticking at two teams right and and that's the thing sliz and like i said it's not like I looked at the Packers game, and yeah, the offense took a while to get going. But when your defense is is playing the way it did in that first half, and even the second half, like they Quinn and Williams, man. I mean, there was a lot of discourse over PFF grades, which I mean, we're going to touch on a little bit. But listen, I test will tell you, watching the game will tell you. And again, it's about taking advantage of these matchups, right? Whether that's at a macro level with the game. Or it's at a micro level, right? So Quinnen is a guy who took advantage of an offensive line that didn't look good. And we haven't had players that have been able to do that, period. And Quinnen absolutely was a monster in that game, whether that's on the offense, Packers offensive line being crap or Quinnen really being good or a combination of both. He took advantage of it and he looked like the number three overall pick. And he's continuing to build on, dare I say, all pro, this all pro looking season. He, he's, he's, all, right he's all pro right now. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Right. And man, how, how good does it feel to be watching Jets football and see a team totally failing to pick up stunts and it not being the Jets <laughs> for the first Dude, time in forever? All the, every, last year, all year last year, all year last year, you couldn't pick up a single stunt the first like four or five weeks of the season, right? You could, you just couldn't figure it out. And it's just like, and we knew it too, because I remember sitting in Discord. It's like it's the same thing after every game. They can't pick up a stunt. They can't pick up a stunt. And listen, good on the Jets for for putting that blueprint in, right? Good on them for executing it. I'm I'm a big fan of execution, right? And good on Quinn again. Good on Quinn Quinn and Williams to take advantage of it. He had two sacks in the game. Uh, he had the blocked field goal. He had. Uh, a number of QB hits in this game. I want to say he had seven pressures overall. That's that. And we've been saying for years, like 
at his floor. Quinnen is a very good player, right? At his floor. He's a good player if you want to go there. At his ceiling, this is what you're expecting from him. And some of that is, well, he needed edge rush help, right? He needed a little bit more help on the inside. He couldn't do it by himself. But even his double team stats are showing that he gets the, this year he's getting double teamed a lot and he's and he's making the most of it. He's producing. So I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled with what I've seen from Quinn so far this year. Yeah, man. The good time for it to show up in a contract year for him. <laughs> Thankfully, you know, Jets fans can can rig any fan vote possible with all of our, our rookie of the week uh, <laughs> belts that we've won over the past two years. Thank goodness that we, we did not win Quinnen to a Pro Bowl the past c- couple of years because a, a he really didn't deserve it, but it also had capital implication implications uh, on his fifth year option, which is locked in. He's actually making, I think, less money next year than he is this year, which is kind of crazy to think about. But it's like, man, he he's going to get the bag and it's well-deserved. And, mm-hmm. and you know, we said it, I think, in the preseason. The big thing with Quinnen is the dude is needed to stay healthy, right? If we didn't have Makai with his injury stuff the past couple of years, there'd be more discourse about Quinnen and Williams and his health the past couple of years. Right. And, man, he's healthy and he is cooking, right? right. So we, let's, let's keep it going. Keep him healthy. I know people want to – throw them at some crazy rotation snap numbers like this is working i don't think we need to change anything just keep right. it going and, and you know i read the the rich samini fourth quarter numbers we are clearly wearing on teams yes uh, and that's both on the defensive line where teams are not able to move the ball on us in the fourth quarter and a lot of that's because of our d-line and our d-line pressure and two in the run game, man, we are running over teams in the fourth quarter. Like even even at the end of this game, I think that that last scoring drive that unfortunately only ended in a field goal. But they, they threw up the graphic when we we're near the goal line where we we ran 11 run plays, zero pass plays and just marched right down the field and took mm-hmm. off. We took off all sorts of time off that clock. It's like, man, that is how you finish. That yeah. is how you end games. Yeah, that's how you finish, man. And again, I I said it on the last two d- d- for the for the Dolphins game and also the the Steelers game. The fact that this team comes out in the fourth quarter and finishes games with how young of a roster that they have at key positions is stupid to me. Like so far this season, you know, it's a, it's a trend you hope continues. Obviously, Brees Hall goes out and scores that touchdown. And as soon as the fourth quarter gets underway and he gives you, puts you another 10 points and they get you another 10 points on the board to finish out the game. it's like, man, it's, it's just, it's good. It's, it's just good to see a team not fold in the fourth quarter. We saw that with the bulls teams for years. I mean, the Gase teams weren't even like they, they were getting blown out year two. So it's not even like it mattered with them, but uh, how many, I couldn't even tell you how many fourth quarter leads that they blew with, with those bulls teams. And, and it's like, wow, this is what it feels like to not fold like a cheap suit. And it's just so nice. It's just yeah. so nice. Well, and you see it too, right? Like the Jaguars are, are kind of lockstep with us rebuilding at the same time. And I know their their staff's only been there for part of a year. Our, our, ours has been here longer. But it's like, man, you see that they, they are not closing out games. They 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 haven't learned how, learned how to win games, right? The Jets are – they, they – appear to have learned how to win some games right they're closing 
They're not letting their their throw their foot off the gas towards the end of the game. They they are beating teams up. Um, and, and I didn't I don't have the Sala quote in front of me, but he was asked about, hey, what what's your guy's identity? And it's like he he said we're we're gonna beat guys up, and and you see that too, right? That's not just like one of those coachisms that you know guy football coaches, real real football coaches, mm-hmm. right? Like oh, Dan Campbell's. The Dan Campbells and Joe Judges of the world. Yeah, yeah, we won't be tough. We want to win in the trenches. Like, man, you see us being tough and mm-hmm. winning in the trenches on both yeah. sides. And, yeah. and it's awesome. Yeah. And uh, I do want to touch on one other defender. I, I want to mention one other f- defender who's had himself quite a game. And that's Sauce Gardner, man. I, I know that, again, both of us were, were critical of drafting a cornerback top five, not only because Maybe in recent years, I mean, it, it's been better, the translation in recent years. J.C. Horn, Patrick Sertan, those, these guys are really good, right? And and maybe the translation is getting a little bit easier to the NFL level, but maybe it's because I have D. Milliner PTSD. Maybe it's because I have Revis, uh, Revis's return PTSD. But, like, I'm like, corner cornerback top five, like, you're already making top money at the position, and the second contract's going to be a nightmare, but – we don't have to worry about that right now, right? And Sauce looks the part. I know that everybody on Twitter is showing the one rep that he had against Romeo Dobbs. Um, and and his and Robbie Sabo, who we'll have on the podcast, as a matter of fact, a programming note, uh, we'll have on the podcast. I'll, I'll touch on that later. But he had the just his hip fluidity and his movement, his change of direction, the the pass breakup that he had on Alan Lazard, the closing speed he had on Lazard. It's just unreal. This guy, he's the goods, man. He's the goods, and he looks like he's only getting better. Yeah, yeah, he's awesome, and and you're right. Like he cleared every athletic testing, and obviously put up a really good final year in college, and he he's hitting it hard, and and. You know, we are, I think, our, our scheme is friendly in a sense where I think it's probably masking his biggest deficiency, which is press man and, and really getting up into a guy at the line of scrimmage. But, you know, our scheme doesn't really call for that. Cover three, playing off man. Like, it, that we, we're not asking him to do that, and he's he's allowed to flourish as a result. And, and he is getting a little grabby at times in the route. And I know he had that one holding call on third down. Um, but man, he, he is awesome. There, there's that play. There's like you said, the one on, uh, Lazard crossing the field too, with the closing mm-hmm. speed and he, he's putting the clamps on guys and, and it's phenomenal and showing off some ball skills on that pick six that, that could have, could have, should have been, could have been, well, maybe right? it should have, but could have, uh, yeah. but, but you know, he, he's, he's all around the ball and, and yeah, he, he's been an awesome hit and, and. I know there's been a lot of credit to our defensive line and the pressure they're getting on guys. A lot of that has been think, thanks to the back end. And, and you know, you, you always hear you got to marry your pressure with your coverage. Yeah. Our coverage has been holding up. And I, I know, again, you said you're, we're going to dissect a little bit of PFF stuff, but you know, some of the criticism around PFF, it's like, okay, we're looking at what what would they see on Quinnen's grade, and then I'm watching that one rep with the the force fumble where Aaron Rodgers kind of fumbled it the guy the the Quinnen pushes the guard into him it, it knocks it out of his hand and it's like by by ESPN's pass block metrics by kind of the the commonly accepted pass block metric is if you hold your block for two and a half seconds you as the the pass protector had a good rep right and it's like man 
you start the you start the stopwatch or start your mental clock. That guard held it for two and a half to three seconds before he like spun around for spun some around. reason, yeah, and got shoved right. But, yeah, but you know you see Aaron progressing from okay, first reads off, second reads off, second reads coming open. Okay, I'm finally getting it out, but it's late. That gives our guys the time to get home, to get that pressure, to affect the quarterback, it, and it's. Right. We've seen that Reed Reed's been awesome too, right? The the two of them put together sauce and Reed. It's not one or the other. I think we saw in preseason when when Bryce Hall is on the field and getting cooked. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter how good sauce is because they're going to attack the weak guy. So right. it really is the whole back end allowing the the front pressure to get home. Right. So the quick stat on sauce: sauce has allowed one catch for six yards in man coverage this year through forty man coverage snaps. I want to repeat that real quick because I think that's a bit ridiculous. Sauce Gardner has allowed one catch for six yards in man coverage this year through 40 man coverage snaps. He's a rookie. And the thing is, it's not like, yes, he hasn't played top receivers, right? Because every team that they've played, pretty deficient at receiver aside from the Dolphins, but the Dolphins threw Skylar Thompson out there, Teddy Bridgewater before that. You know, one play, it doesn't, doesn't matter much. But one catch for six yards in man coverage this year. And and Salah said it when the pick was made that yes, we we play zone, but on third down when you need to win a rep, they're in man coverage. And those are the money downs. That's where you have to get off the field. And the Jets were having problems with that the first three weeks of the season, right? When they were losing games and they've like the everybody wanted Ulrich fired and like Salah's just a cheerleader. Like, what does Salah even do? You know, all this stuff. Like nobody's patient enough. Whatever. But it's it's awesome, man. It's it's good to see. Like I will hold my hand up like Tim Duncan and say, "Okay, I was wrong here. I was wrong." Because Sauce is every bit as good, every bit as good as that pick has. Uh, every bit as good. So happy about that. Uh, so let's switch to the other side of the ball, Slez. And we're big on context here, right? The Jet Fuel Podcast is big on context here. Zach Wilson. I just want to go right off the bat. He did not have a good game. Personally, I don't think he had an awful game. I don't think he was as bad as his PFF grade suggests. I don't think he was good. Some balls that maybe should have been picked off, but only through 18 passes, completed 10, whatever. The numbers aren't great. That said, I mean, Sliz, it's like, this is what, again, we said it last week. This is what they want the offense to look like right? They don't want Zach to be the guy. They don't want to see Tennessee Zach every play, every snap, every drive. There will be times when that matters, but like when you Bob have to Corey Davis and yes, game, by the way, exactly. By the way, <laughs> by the way right. And, and when he had to, again, when he had to make throws like the bond to Corey Davis, which listen, I heard, I heard people saying, you know, maybe it should have been a touchdown. He should have set his feet and thrown it deep, like whatever, you know, you're, 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 you're picking at that point. Like you're being Nick picky at that point. Right. But, and he, he th- hit uh, Davis on the slant. I think it was on a third down to keep that drive, same drive moving. So you're happy about that. But this is a long winded way of saying Sliz when Brees Hall or even Michael Carter are going off for a hundred yards a game, they're going for 120 combined, whatever the number is, pick your number. And they don't have to rely on Zach. They're not going to, this is what the offense is going to look like moving forward. Yeah, and and I know you touched on Sabo getting Robbie Sabo joining us here this week on, on a on a separate pod, 
Um, so I, I want to get into some of the nitty gritty with him on, on all this because he's I know he's been tweeting out a whole bunch of thoughts on it and I agree mm-hmm. with almost all of it but just as a high, at a high level I I agree with with everything you just said and, and in general too like context is important right people expect a winning play call on every single down right. and then people also get mad when the coordinator doesn't adjust and it's like we did all you know we we adjusted throughout the game I know people are criticizing a lot those third and one um passing attempts and so you go you go early early in the game and we did traditional dropbacks on third down and the pocket got pushed and zach zach had to flush out the one was the super really unlucky uh sack where he pretty much ran right into sean gary who he couldn't see um and then you you saw us adapt right there's the sprint out the speed out um, Zach outside of the pocket to Garrett Wilson. And then we, we had a, a same, similar play, right? Where we did the PA fake Zach roll out left to Garrett Wilson. And, you know, we just were given sauces flowers. I, I think people forget that Jair Alexander is a top corner in this league. And he's been hurt up until I think he came back last week against the giants. So this was really his, his second week back. And this dude put the clamps on Garrett Wilson, right? Like we got to give their corners some due here. That was as much uh, an issue for us as anything we were doing schematically. And, and you know, the, those moving the pocket, that's what you do schematically to give your quarterback a chance on third down, to give them time, to let them have an easy read. And, and you're banking on a guy you believe in, Garrett Wilson, getting open. I'm sure we didn't bank on them sticking Jair in the slot to cover Garrett Wilson and totally clamping them down. So like that you do have to remember, right? Like you're playing against another team with, <laughs> with quality players, right? Like some, and, and this goes into play calling a lot. And and I'm not saying Michael Fleur makes great play calls or even good play calls all the time, but it's like, you're, you're going against another team and, and just the whole play calling discourse like rewind the past couple of weeks. All it was was, man, why are we running? Why are we running? My, Michael Fleur needs to stop running. And then you go to this game. It's like, why are we throwing on third down? We need mm-hmm. to run the ball. It's like, it, it's so hard to to have conversation around play calling because it's so re- results based around like if some if, if it was a good result, it was a good play call. If it was a bad result, it was a bad play call. It's like, there's more yeah. context to it, yeah. right? But yeah. just in general, I. We didn't ask Zach to do a lot. He he certainly didn't do a lot, but he he made the plays that need to be made in the third quarter. In, in the third quarter and in in the fourth quarter, we've changed our approach. Or every, the past three games, we we've flipped the switch in terms of play calling, RPO usage, etc. And that's where Zach has shined and and made the plays when he needed to. And that's when we we've put teams away. So all in all, did enough to get done. I I too want to see Zach do more and win us games, but the, those opportunities will come. We're winning games, keep winning games, keep building the confidence, all that right. good stuff. Yeah, and I think listen again. I, I do want to make a point that Zach wasn't didn't have a good game. He had the near interception in the end zone, which trying to make a play i get it but that's not a throw you want to see him make he had a couple throws down the sideline to garrett wilson both of them i think hit jair alexander in the hands if i'm not mistaken uh, or at least one of them did and then no pff credited him with two turnover worthy plays so 
it is what it is at the end of the day. I mean, yes, near interceptions, you don't want to be results-based and now have results-based analysis on these things. But, you know, again, they're not going to ask him to to come out the gate throwing. And I was very critical of LaFleur this past weekend. Overall, I think LaFleur has done a very, very good job. But that first half started to kill me because when, yes, you need to, I, I want to say you need to throw the ball more because I don't necessarily buy into that but when it's the third and one you need a yard go get a yard you know like put push their defensive line and get a yard like Brees Hall's the Brees Hall's a grown-ass man get in there you know get your yard like there's no need to get cute on some of these things but at the same time they came out in the second half and they adjusted right they had a much much smoother cleaner game plan in the second half and really after I was re-watching the game it was really around you can tell uh, at the midway point around six minutes with they got the ball back in the first half in the second quarter that the offense really started to click and you notice okay while well, the run game starting to get going a little bit more they're running the ball it looks a lot better so I, I'm not I'm not down on the floor at all I just like for me as a fan like watching it I'm like dude man up go get a freaking yard like stop doing these speed outs to Garrett Wilson where he's running short of the sticks or like coming back to Coming back yeah, to the line that, of scrimmage, that was like, bad. That was like really infuriating, bad. <laughs> infuriating to <laughs> It's like infuriating to watch. But overall, I think Lafleur has done a good job. So he's he's bought plenty of goodwill for me moving forward. So a guy that again, Liz, I'm going to make you say nice things about. I'm going to make you say it. Brees Hall. Um, is Brees Hall a dude, or is he still just a guy in your eyes? Hey, what, I'm not trying what, to. I'm not trying to play gotcha here. By the no, way, it's a good. legitimate question. <laughs> hey, well, one one cut, one cut, and go, Brees is a dude, right? Mm-hmm. And and we've said it the past couple weeks. Said it at the start of the season. Dude's got to get uphill. Dude's getting uphill, hill, man, and he's making people miss too. Like once he gets to that second level, he is not getting brought down easy. And and it's but he he ran awesome this week. Um. Yeah, he's looking like a dude, and, and when you take a rookie running back that high, you need him to be a dude, and right. he's doing that. He's elevating the roster, elevating his QB, elevating the offense, and, and that's phenomenal. He, he, yeah, he's looking awesome. The improv play, uh, the play where he – it was supposed to be a reverse – his touchdown run in the fourth quarter. It was supposed to be a reverse to Garrett Wilson, I believe, and Garrett Wilson was supposed to throw it to Braxton Berrios, trick play. And it looked like the, it would have worked too, by the, the way, Packers, if, if the their pa- edge didn't play way, way, way upfield. Right. And they had like, they, they, the Packers sniffed it out and Brees cut it inside and took it, took it for a touchdown. Like, I'm going to say that's the stuff you get it for. Cause that's like such a, a one of one situation that like, okay, this, this probably doesn't happen. Like chances are he gets tackled most of the time as soon as he tries to make that cut, if their defense plays it well, but ultimately Cool to see again. It's a hey, matter Joe, of I'll, taking advantage of it. I'll right. give you the answer you want to hear. That there is no price on a home run hitter. <laughs> <laughs> Quote from our coach Robert Sala. So and he he said it with such I don't want to say disdain, but he said it with such like it's like damn it, I'm so sick of this conversation, yeah. man. <laughs> like yeah, just you, so dismissive of the whole thing. Just like, yeah. shut up, man. Like, yeah, like, <laughs> you could tell, like, he's just, like, super, like, sick of it, and he's over it. And you know what? To be honest, Liz, I am too. Like, I really am. Like, I, I will say, it. right, and and just in general, right, and and not that it changes, I think, the all the RB stances and draft capital expenditure and all that. I don't think anyone 
anticipated us using two RB like two running back sets at the rate we have. And, and small chimp pulled the numbers. We are near top of the league and expected points added EPA kind of a little bit of a nerd stat, but all that to say, like we're using two running backs a lot and it's very, very productive. And mm -hmm. Michael Fleur, like I know they're running plays, so they don't get the, the oohs and ahs and kind of mass appeal and, and everything that, that some of the pass routes and big throws get. Michael Lafleur was in his bag for run play calls. We were doing so much, and it, you saw it set up things like the the CJ Uzama tight end screen and, and things like that. And it's like we've built not only these season long tendencies, but within the game tendencies. And then we're we're tendency breaking and getting big plays off of them, especially in the second half. And right. It's awesome. It's awesome. And and using two running backs with with Michael Carter and Brees both in there, it it does it does help justify the pick more when you're using them both at that clip and you're, you're being super productive doing it. Yeah. So obviously we spent a lot of time in the run slows and like we've said a million times when things are going right with the jets offense, they're going to be running the ball at a pretty healthy clip, which means mouths aren't going to get fed, which means you are going to have disappointed receivers, which means these receivers take to Twitter to say things which means they kill the vibes, which means we discuss it on the Jet Fuel podcast. And Elijah Moore, unfortunately, was that guy. Immediately after the Packers game, he took to Twitter and essentially said, without saying, I don't want to be the selfish guy here. If I say what I want to say, I'm going to be selfish. Just dumb tweet to send, man. Like, it's just it's just stupid. It's just a dumb thing to say, especially after a win. Like I you'd rather it a win after a win than a loss. You would really rather it not at all. But he deleted the tweets, both tweets that he said, you know, I support my teammates all this stuff. Robert Sala said he had a conversation with him, so hopefully the situation's nipped in the bud, but Sliz, your your take on this whole situation. So, first I want to say the take our co our head coach is good. And yes. he has so <laughs> he has such a feel on this locker room and do like like the con his response to that question in the presser about hey what's going on with Elijah like what are thoughts there he answered that so well and like everything that he told you it's like I know you went and had a conversation with him and smoothed it over and fixed this moving forward like I have total faith that we're good moving forward mm -hmm. right. And in general, like, I know a lot of people were like freaking out, grabbing the bleach bottle and stuff like, oh, man, Elijah Moore, <laughs> you know, he, he's going to demand a trade. And it's like, no, like I, I took it as like he just he's a wide receiver, wide receiver. Every wide receiver is a diva, every every single one. And not saying Elijah Moore is a, a diva. I think he is like Sala said, he's a high character guy. The dude just wants to he just wants the ball in his hands. He wants to contribute. That's it. Right. Um, it it'll get it'll get better. Maybe not this week, but it'll get better. He'll get his usage. And and in general, man, like this is just the issue. And we we said in, in the preseason, with the number of weapons we have, it's a good problem to have. But we're also very, very good at spreading the ball out. And we have spread the ball out a lot. 
if you're gonna if you're gonna scheme some touches for Braxton Berrios, which we should, because he's productive with those touches, and it, it's an extension of the run game. If you're gonna sc- scheme some touches for your tight ends and screens and, and those types of situations, you're gonna scheme touches for Garrett Wilson because he's in the slot. He's a matchup problem for most every team, and you're gonna scheme touches for Corey because guess what? He's beaten the the bum allegations, and Corey Davis is a good wide receiver. Corey yes. Davis is a good wide receiver, and he's he a good never wide know receiver. It. He would never when know we, it. When we flip that switch in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, Corey Davis is usually the spark cl- plug to flipping that switch, right? So it's like, man, we are, we are, and and we're in the running backs. We are getting our running backs so many touches in both both the run and pass game. It's like there's going to be games that are quiet, and and I he probably hates his route usage, but he's also we we don't have a true field stretcher. And we need guys to clear out the underneath. We need guys to run those dummy routes. It, it's just the reality right now. So I do think it'll get better. I do think they'll probably scheme him some touches and stuff. But it's also like we haven't needed it. And and we're we we've essentially blown out back to back teams. Like right. it's working, right? Right. If it's not working, we'll change gears. So mm-hmm. that that's that's all I have there. I, I'm not I'm really not worried about it. I wasn't worried about that last week, still not worried about it this week. Yep. I'm with you, Sliz. I, I just like, like I said, it's, you know, from a long suffering Jets fan, it's just not what you want to see after a win when everybody's feeling good. But it's, I'm happy that Solid smoothed it over, made it clear. I think everybody's on the same page. I think it's a total, I don't want to say it's a non issue, but it's less of an issue than it was maybe when Elijah Moore sent those tweets out on, on Sunday. So. Yeah, if I if I have a suggestion for for Michael Fleur, who I'm sure is an avid listener of Jet Fuel and gets all of his uh his play calling advice, <laughs> just run Elijah Moore on like a drag route, get a lot of motion flowing the other way on a PA or something. Run Elijah Moore on a drag route across the field underneath. It'll do good. Th- it'll scheme him a touch, and he'll do good things with it. That's all I'm saying. That's all. So there I'm you saying. go. <laughs> Michael Floor, avid listener of Jet Fuel. Um, uh, if you see that this upcoming weekend versus the Broncos, then you'll know. You'll know for a fact. So, Sliz, I think there's really not much of a debate about this week's Top Gun. We we talked about him a lot in the first segment, but Quinton Williams is that dude. He's If he wasn't that dude already, he is starting to turn into that dude. And this season has just been a, a wonder for him, a total wonder. And it's been massive for the Jets' defense, which, listen – Solomon Thomas has sucked. Nathan Shepard has sucked. Uh, you, Sheldon Rankins has been good, so I, you have to give him credit. Sheldon Rankins has been very good. But a couple of those, like the, the interior defensive line movement, you know, you move JFM in over on third downs, fine. But then you look at the edge group, which didn't have a great game on Sunday, but Quinnen's been that guy. He's been that constant all season, and it, it was a signature game for him. This past Sunday, no matter what PFF says. Yeah, yeah. Keep keep Quinnen away from LaGuardia because he's our top gun, man. <laughs> Quinnen gun, he's our top gun. That, that's that's it, man. And, and hey, there there is a correction on his PFF grade. They bumped him up to 75 something. And and you, you had a little bullet, and I do, I do really want to touch on this because I, I feel like it's super important. And I feel like on Judd's Twitter, just everything jets right we we've been kicked while we've been down for so long people are are lashing out at every possible thing yes. and and i just want to say on pff pff grades 
are one 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 piece of the puzzle. Nothing is the end all be all. No statistic is. All statistics have context. A PFF grade on its own, a standalone grade, and even the breakout grades, those are someone's, someone's, and PFF has all their methodology and everything out there, which I don't think anyone except for a handful of us have actually read of what they do and how they do it. Read the methodology. If you disagree with it, then that's fine. Just ignore it. But it's, it is PFF's eye test translated into a number. It is film review. It is not analytics. Analytics is all the back end PFF data, which is good content, by the way. Very, very yes, good, useful data. I just want it. It's one thing. And if there's a player where his grade doesn't agree with what you saw, that's a perfect trigger to go back and watch the context of those plays. And if you still stand by what you thought, and, and generally you will, like in this case, like they graded Quinnen probably lower than everyone would have thought and you go watch and it's like, well, I kind of see where maybe they didn't give them as much credit, but they're wrong here. Right. And it's like, okay, let's move on. But there's other cases and I'll I'll pick on CJ Mosley a little bit. Fans all last year were complaining. They have it out for the jets. CJ Mosley's awesome. They're grading them low every week. And it's like, why are they grading them low every week? Well, look at the grade breakdown. His coverage grade is awful because he is awful in coverage. He committed a holding penalty this week on AARP Mercedes Lewis on third down. It's like, dude, you get you had an eight yard cushion and you still committed a holding penalty on a dude who is slower than you, right? And it, it's hey, just, just under, it's understanding just, the context of the grade. He just wanted to let him know he's going to see him at the bingo hall, Sliz. That's yeah, all yeah. So. <laughs> that's really it there is a lot and i get why people hate pff because it's a lot the the general discourse and usage around it isn't good people use pff grades when it's convenient to tout their point and then they dismiss them when they're not but it's like if you're gonna be in the discourse of pff use it to guide your film study and don't use it as a standalone data point use it in in context but also cross-reference okay Quinn and Williams, great example. Top of all the pass rush win rate charts. Top of pressure charts. He's killing double teams. It's like, okay, his PFF grade's lagging, but these other data sources, plus my eye test say he's doing good. He's doing good, right? He's doing good. He's playing at an all-pro level. It's awesome. So I did, just to wrap up that conversation, so as I, I say all the time, and you know I'm a baseball writer by trade and by heart, I guess, I don't know, but I say it all the time. Stats without context are just numbers, right? Stats without context are just numbers. You look at Zach's line, you say, oh, we went 10 for 18, so he must have been terrible, right? And, you know, again, he didn't have a great game, but there's a reason he only threw 18 passes, and it's not because the team didn't trust him to throw. It's because they didn't need him to throw. So there's a lot of that going around. And PFF, uh, again, it's certainly polarizing. I I enjoy PFF grades because, like I've said numerous times, it confirms or denies anything that I've seen with my own eyes. But then if if I see a 64.5 on Quinnen, like they gave him originally, and I, I go back and I look and say, oh, well, why did they think that? You know, and then and then Jets Twitter bullies them into uh, in, into changing their grade, which I find to be hysterical. And it's an entirely different conversation that we'll have uh, maybe tomorrow with Robbie. So we'll, we'll see how he, what he has to say about that. But yeah, Quinnen Williams, your top gun. Keep him away from LaGuardia. 
I, I think we found our, our episode title. So there's that. All right, Sliz, it's time to go around the league in roughly 60 seconds, breaking down all the results from this weekend's games. And away we go. Bailey's Boston Cream, Zappy and the Pats, Zap the Browns in Cleveland. What's black, blue, and purple all over? The Ravens, after Giants beat them up on Sunday in a win. With Kenny Pickett injured, Pittsburgh steals a victory as Bachelor Brady comes up short. And speaking of short, Kyler Murray and the Cardinals fail to crack 10 points in a loss to the Seahawks. The Falcons soar past the 49ers as the Eagles fly high versus the Cowboys. The Colts lay down the law against Trevor Sunshine Lawrence as Indy topples Jacksonville. The sun sets on Robbie Anderson's Carolina career in a loss to the Rams. And in the Sunshine State, the Vikings drown the Dolphins while the Saints ain't it versus the Bengals in Nolens. A pair of joke offenses meet as the Bears fall to the Commanders, but no joshing was found in Kansas City as the Bills outlast the Chiefs in Arrowhead. And that was around the league in roughly 60 seconds. Uh, we, we got to stop putting the bears on prime time slits. We got to stop Monday night football, baby. I know I it, It's just, it's awful. Like I'm Versus running out of Bill things Belichick. to say. What, what Versus, can go wrong, man? I, I what just, can go I, wrong? What can possibly go wrong? I just, I'm running out of things to say about that. Bear. It's just bad. And I know, I know Bleacher Report put out a really like memeable tweet with Justin Fields. And it was like a, a picture of him, like on one knee and was like, Justin Fields gave his all or something like that. It was like all gave some, some gave all like military. Like it was very bizarre. It was very bizarre, but he, again, another week, I don't want to pick on Justin Fields, man, but it's getting, it's getting dark early. It's getting dark early there. It's getting late early. And just in general, man, like around the league, the league seems so bad this year, man. Like, like it, it is, I, I know, not putting the cards before the horse here. Like we should be in the playoff hunt solely because there are so many of these teams that are, are just like every team is flawed. And I know we've been our, our you can nitpick every single one of our wins and say, Oh, well, that was a flawed team because of X. That was a, a flawed team because of Y right. Going after next week's game against the Broncos, half the teams that we've played would have been without their starting left tackle, including us. Right. It's like, there, there, there are so many injured teams. There's flawed teams. Teams aren't scoring. I saw not, not that fantasy drives everything, but I think it's it was a good stat I saw just to contextualize scoring around the league. Where through six weeks, fantasy points scored in totality is down 22 percent since last year, and it's the worst since I think it was 2017, 2016, something like that. Like. It 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 looks bad on prime time and it feels bad because it is bad, right? And and when you have a team like us playing good defense and winning in the run game, like we we can win any week against most of these teams, man. Maybe not the Bills quite yet, but it's like you start looking at the schedule and it's like, man, we we can string it together. We can string yeah. it together, man. If the Bills, I mean, we're gonna get to the the flight plan after we get to the geek of the week in a minute here, but uh, so let's just hit, let's just hit that. So let's just geek of the week. You know, there, there were a few options this week. Um, some, some discord members, you know, good friends that we're not going to call them out. Some jets, Twitter members who are also always good for geek of the week, but we keep the geek. We kept the geek of the week on the field this week. So Sliz, why don't you let the people in on who is this week's geek of the week? Yeah. Yeah. Mr. Uh, Alan Lazard. 
getting the clamps by sauce and then carrying it into the post game sauce is ru- <laughs> running around with the cheese head pumping up the jets fans at the stadium and and out of nowhere lazard comes off and knocks his cheese head out so um geek of the week letting that spill over a little bit and and certainly sauce got the last laugh not only winning the game having his fun and then going home and streaming with the cheese head on playing some call of duty i think so Dude, that it just kept getting better because I wrote a story. I wrote the cheesehead story on Sporting News for Sporting News, and and like it's good enough to see the video. And then there was a better video that came out from the actual NFL channel. And then they were they asked him about it after the game. And then there was a picture of him walking out of the stadium with the cheesehead. And then there was a report that he was on the bus with the cheese head on. And then there was and then he puts out the Instagram story saying that he's going to stream on Twitch after the game with the cheese head on. And you see the pictures, the still images of him, both wearing the cheese head and the cheese head. I lost it. I just yeah, absolutely man. lost it. And you know what? I don't want to take, I don't want to take shine away from Mr. Lazard here for being our geek of the week, but sauce is a really interesting guy in that you always want your cornerbacks to have that little bit of douchebag in them, right? You always want them oh, to yeah. have a little bit of that over the top arrogance, but Sauce is just such a likable guy. Like he's yeah, very he confident and he's very cocky, but like it's just there's like a charisma about him that you want to root for him. And it's just it's it's so awesome to have a player like that that's like not phony or fraudulent like Jamal Adams was, right? Like there's a certain authenticity that comes with Sauce that I just I really appreciate. Yeah, absolutely. Geek of the week, Alan Lazard, baby. Alan Lazard, geek of the week. Unbelievable. Just Keep your hands to yourself, man. Keep your hands to yourself. Anyway. All right, Sliz. Let's look ahead. Let's take a look at week seven versus the Broncos. This is the flight plan. Now, my first bullet point I have in here, and correct me if, if you disagree, Sliz, but I feel like this is a very, very similar matchup to the Packers game in that the Broncos, at least at surface level, have a very good defense or a good defense, not a very good defense, but a strong cornerback room, strong secondary. Um, good pass rush that can get, you know, they can disrupt the game. Bradley Chubb, if he's good and an offense that has underachieved to this point, to the point to say the least underachieved to this point in the season. So, you know, at surface level, it's a very similar matchup. What what are your thoughts on us playing the Broncos this weekend? Yeah, man. I, I mean, I expect a similar offensive game plan. I expect a similar defensive game plan. I, I think it'll be a lot of the same. So people looking for Zach to to turn it loose, th- this is not the week. Um, yeah, Broncos have a really good secondary. They have Justin Simmons return to the lineup, a, an all-pro safety. Um, yeah, man, it's that clearly uh, – clearly we just need to do what we've been doing, and that's dominate the clock run all over and wear teams down and play solid defense yeah this game new england's going to be the same the following week so much is going to be won in the turnover battle right and we've been winning the turnover battle which is which is rare for the you know looking at the jets of the past couple years we have rarely won the turnover battle yeah we almost never recover fumbles and we've been getting fumble recoveries, right? So win the turnover battle, play a clean game on offense. And and it's, it's right there that that offense on, on the Broncos has looked bad. Very, um, very they bad. have, they have no identity. Russ does not look good in terms of just matchups where you were always worry about teams being able to exploit us in the middle, attacking our linebackers and safeties. 
And, and they had Greg Dolchich, who they the rookie they drafted this year at tight end, looked pretty good in the Monday night game. But it's always been kind of a critique of Russ that he he is not good at throwing over the middle. And I know there's the the low light play of him ignoring the wide open wide receiver from last night over the middle, mm-hmm. or, or and that you, that you hope that bodes well for us, where it's like okay, this guy's just career blind spot for whatever reason, maybe because he's short, can't look over the line. I don't know what what it is. Um, but it kind of matches up with, hey, that's our weakness. So if he doesn't look there, that's awesome. Yep. And and I want to say it was Ank who called this out around the time that the trade happened or at some point during the offseason where this offense and the and the skill players that the Broncos have don't necessarily fit Russell Wilson's skill set, right? And there are certain questions as to whether or not uh, Wilson will even play this weekend because he's dealing with a hamstring. He's listed as day to day. And t- I just want to point out the tweet by Ian Rappaport or Tom Pettis, whoever put it out was super weird. It was like, he's suffering from a very real and painful hamstring injury, which is like, like, okay. Like it's just weird. But anyway, I, I um, think it's because he was battling that shoulder injury, maybe thing that right. seemed like it was kind of like a post game. Like, Oh, this is why he played bad. Yeah. And- yeah. So so he's so he's dealing with that hamstring injury. And if it's not, it's the Brett Rippon who beat the Jets in 2020, you know, great. But uh obviously different team, different era, different coaching staff, all this stuff. But you know, if if they're gonna give Melvin Gordon three snaps, you know, the three carries for eight yards like they gave him on Monday night football, if they're going to ignore the middle of the field, um, then I want to say this is another easy win for the Jets, but it's another game that they should win. It's another game that they should go into this building. We've already seen that they can win on the road, which is not something that we've talked about a lot on this podcast, but for a young team to go on the road into Lambeau field, uh, right. One of three teams in football who are undefeated on the road, it's us, the giants and the Eagles. So there's that, but um, you go on the road and you you win in these difficult environments and it's no cakewalk to play in Denver either. So this is a matchup that I think that the jets should win. This is a, a, you know, you go into that New England game five and two, and all of a sudden that again, it's another measuring stick game. It's another game that you say to yourself, like, okay, well, you know, are, are the Jets going to be legit? Which is why, looking at this Denver game, it almost feels like a trap game. Which is why I think it has me a little bit nervous. Yeah, a, a little bit, and and you look okay. Their wide receivers are certainly at several tiers above what Green Bay is running yes. with. Their their offensive line though I I think is worse. I, you know I touched on it a little bit ago. They're without their left tackle. They're without Javante Williams at running back. They they are banged up too, and that that aligns with our strength, right? If if you're gonna want to go match up, you want guys that we can match up with Sauce and Reed. You want guys that need to match up against our edges rushing the passer. So that matches up on that side, and and you know I'm I'm deferring to Mike Lafleur to make something work. I think. We, we probably should have against Green Bay schemed around Jair Alexander in this game. I hope we learn and scheme around uh, Patrick Sertain. And, and we have enough weapons, enough pieces where if if he's matching up and taking away our number one, just go to number two, go to number three, right? Don't, don't force it in there. There's no reason to. Um, right. I'm not so much worried about a trap game per se. I don't think the, the, type of team we have and the energy we have, I don't think it's super susceptible to it. 
And, mm-hmm. and I, I assume we're going to have our, our uh, server owner, uh, Mr. Foots in the stadium cheering on, uh, cheering on the Jets and, and buying us all Denver World Series jerseys. Um, that, that's a that's a way throwback going back to last year. But <laughs> I assume he's going to be rooting them on in the flesh. So well, let's go, man. Hey, well, apparently Foots get well soon to Foots, who's dealing with a, a little bout of the vid right now. So uh, just getting it out of the way so he can, he can roll into mile high, feeling <laughs> good and not having to worry about it. I hope so. Hope so. But yes, Liz, I, I think this is another like it's 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 very clear. I mean, I don't know. If, I don't know how much Broncos football you've watched this year. I hope hope for your sake, not a lot, but I've. I watch a decent amount. And it's hard not to when they're in prime time every week, man. Yeah, and like Nathaniel Hackett is just this guy is just in over his head. And I asked the question to the Discord earlier. I'm like, which is the last head coach that you've seen is like in over his head like this? And I think Urban Meyer was different because Urban was very clearly believing what he was saying. Like it was very clear, like he felt like the top guy and yet things spiraled out of his control, but he was still in control or he felt like he was in control. Right. It was super predictable. Like urban Meyer, like how that played out from start to finish was like kind of the expectation. Right. Right. Unless you were aunt Rob, but (laughs) we we don't go there. We don't go there. But um, yeah, I mean the thing with, with urban Meyer was like, I still, he still felt like the illusion of control. Right. Mm. Whatever. Uh, but seeing Daniel Hack at his press conferences, like this guy's just like deer in headlights. So that's why I asked. Like, I heard some Freddie Kitchens, which was a very good one. I didn't even think of Freddie, but like Freddie Kitchens was a good one. Um, you know, I heard some Todd Bowles. I don't think Todd Bowles is necessarily fair because they went 10 and 6 that first year, but uh, you didn't really see the warts until the following year. And you see, like, you kind of see, and and I, I always kind of clown a little bit of some of the social media stuff, and but like you're seeing like clear frustration spill over. You saw KJ Hamler on the the Colts game, the Thursday night when he didn't get the target at, at the goal line in overtime. Um, you're seeing Melvin Gordon, like all sorts of tweets, basically saying, cut me or trade me, um, right. get, get me out of town. And and even that whole situation is weird. Right. And, and of course, Javante Williams is hurt now, but, it's like, okay, you were playing Melvin Gordon, who was fumbling a ton to start the year. You're still playing him like as much, if not more, than Javante Williams, who's the second year stud that you, you had last year and, and was poised for a breakout. And now that Javante's totally out of the way, you're like not even playing like not even playing Melvin Gordon. It makes no sense, yeah. man. You're and you're playing him for a dude you just signed off a practice squad and some some little literal running back off the street. It's just so weird. He's trying to subvert expectations. That's what yeah. he's trying to do. Like Ryan yeah. Johnson, like Ryan Johnson, the last Jedi, just try to subvert those expectations, bro. That's, that's what he's trying to do. So, yeah, I think, I think when we do jet fuel next week and, and you don't want to get too confident because it's like weird to be in this spot as a jets fan where you're like confident about these wins, but I think we'll be recording jets fuel next jet fuel next week and, and saying to ourselves, you know what? We're feeling real, real good going into that new England game. Real good. Yeah, I mean, so, re- reality is if if we get one of the next three all against AFC opponents, we at worst will be five and four at the bye with a much easier second half, mm-hmm. and, and it's right there for you, man. Yep. Right? Get yep. obviously one week at a time, and, and this feels like the easiest of the three, not being mm-hmm. in a divisional game against a, a, a quite frankly reeling Broncos team. Yep. But get get one of three, man, and, and we're in a good – good spot down the stretch 
All right, so let's, let's bring it in for a landing. This is the landing strip. What's on your mind, my friend? Falls officially here. Hell yeah. It's cold. <laughs> it's it's gotten cold real quick. Um, it's been like 40s by me the past two days. But over the past weekend, took my, my parents came in town and we took my daughter to local orchard pumpkin patch. They got had the full deal, have local vendors, they have their own own setup with a whole bunch of baked goods and all that good stuff best pumpkin patch i've literally ever seen like walking through it it's like every other pumpkin was pristine like picture oh, perfect it was it you was love phenomenal. a pristine pumpkin you it, love it, a pristine it was, pumpkin it's fun it was like man normally you're like tripping you're like thumbing through them all like trying to find one it's like man i better leave before i buy all of these because they're all perfect um and then apples were good too so just all in all great fall weekend great fall day good uh good to get outside and kind of decompress de-stress a little bit and i don't know it, it was great my daughter big, running around having a good time i'm a big fall guy slis i love the sweaters i love the hoodie i'm big hoodie guy so the hoodies are officially out um it, i'm just big big on fall i went uh wine tasting a couple weeks ago a couple weekends ago that was that was nice with my wife we do that uh pumpkins coming up we always do the pumpkin patch we have a very good pumpkin patch nearby too so Big yeah. big fall guy. Big and fall we're, guy. We're hitting that uh that time of the year with NBA tipping off where every major sport is in session. The sports equinox. Yep. Every major and 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 we have the World Cup on the door too, which it, I it's still weird to me, man. World Cup is a summer thing. It, yeah. It's been programmed in my mind as a summer thing and it feels wrong. But World Cup's coming up, man, too. And yep. I am I am excited for that. Not a soccer guy. I'm doing um, soccer. I I am so well. Hey, USA's in it. You got to root for them, right? Yep. So I got a few things on my mind here. Um, the new big big Friday this past Friday, big Friday for music. The new Alter Bridge album came out, and it is incredible. Love Alter Bridge. Love those guys. Um, their best album since Fortress. I think that came out in 2013. So awesome, awesome album. Very very happy with it. The new 1975 album is also really good. Big fan of that. Two very different sounds, too. So there's that. And I want to give a very, very big shout out as we continue searching for sponsors on the show. I, I want to give a big, big shout out to Soul Bowls, the new acai bowl place that opened up in, in Metuchen nearby. Uh, I just discovered that they opened maybe a month and a half ago, give or take. I've already been there four times. The best, most pure acai bowl. They do nothing with their acai. They don't put apple juice and banana in it like some places do. It's just pure acai and it is heavenly. So big shout out to Soul Bowls. Very, very appreciative of your pureness and your acai. So, so have you ever had an acai bowl? I have not. Wow. I've looked at them in the, the aisle at uh, Costco <laughs> most every time. I'm like, <laughs> should I get that? I don't know. And I just keep moving. Uh, so, uh, no, I have not. I guess next time I'll need to grab one and, and roll get, with it. You got to find a good acai bowl place. I don't know if they're if they're current if they're uh, common around where you live, but they're uh, good. I will man. say my my uh, selection for culturally diverse foods in the Midwest is far far less than the selection you have on the East Coast. Oh, brutal, <laughs> brutal. Another reason why the East Coast is is superior. Sorry. All right, Sliz, uh, that'll do it for this episode of the Jet Fuel Podcast. Uh, obviously, you already found us, but you can continue to find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, Pandora, 
and Apple Podcasts, and we're applicable. We'd really, really greatly appreciate it if you could leave us a five-star review. You can find us on Twitter at JetFuelPodcast. You can find me on Twitter at Joe Rivera SN. Sliz, where can the people find you at? Find me at Sliz underscore NYJ. And, and don't hate on me for not putting Sauce as a top five corner right now. He's getting there. <laughs> he has the, the upward mobility. He's not there yet, lads. Not there yet. It, it'll be, come. It'll I got come. your back. I got your back. You know that? Yeah, he's not there yet. As always, if you want to disagree with Sliz, though, you can either tweet him or send send us an email at jetfueldiscordpodcast at gmail.com. And Sliz, how can people join the Discord? Yep, discord.gg slash nyjets. And as always, we're, we're talking during games. If you need someone to, to react in real time with, Hey, we're, we're your people. If you if you need to complain about some PFF grades or un, get some context or just look at film or, or any, anything you want to do, Talking Jets, come on, join us. It's a good time. Always a good time. Always a good time, especially when you have everybody debating the uh, running back discourse for the 10th time. <laughs> Sometimes a very bad time. but <laughs> <laughs> Always a good time in the Discord. Uh, so for Matt Szilard, I am Joe Rivera reminding you, you can't take flight without jet fuel.